Welcome to Long Story Short, sponsored by the Kirkpatrick Foundation. I'm Ted Struley, the Executive Director at Oklahoma Watch. We're a statewide nonprofit news organization that specializes in investigative reporting. You're listening to our weekly podcast, which lets you hear directly from our journalists as they provide deeper insight into their recently published stories. I'm Oklahoma Watch Executive Director Ted Struley. This week, I'm here with Trevor Brown, Paul Monies, and Jennifer Palmer, who all covered Governor Stitt's State of the State speech this week. Trevor, we're going to start with you. First off, can you set the scene and what this speech meant for Stitt? Yeah, so this was a pretty big speech uh, for the governor. This is his fourth State of the State, and that means it could be his last if he does not win re-election later this year. Um, you know, the governor has also had a bit of a rocky start with the legislature. There's been a few clashes. Um, so he'd be, again, looking to close the bridges and kind of work with him on his agenda. But this is this is the big deal for him going into election year. Hey, Paul, what were some of the uh, law and order themes, right? There's been a lot of talk about criminal justice issues, criminal justice reform. What did he address in the speech? That's right. He kind of had two broad things with law and order. Uh, the first was McGirt, which was a Supreme Court decision that uh, found that the Muscogee Nation was never officially disestablished by Congress. And instead has said that's a juris- jurisdictional problem for a lot of crimes and in the criminal justice system. And he said it jeopardized justice. Uh, he also kind of went after the medical marijuana industry and some of the illicit growths that have been going on in the past few years from the, the lack of kind of tracking that product around. Uh, and so he said that was um, kind of worth some more enforcement and maybe cracking down on some of the license costs as well. Hey, Jennifer, you cover education for us. What were the big education takeaways in, in the speech? I'd say one of the big ones was the uh, the voucher bill. Um, Senator Treats, Senate Bill 1647, called the Oklahoma Empowerment Act. It kind of wholeheartedly endorsed that um, briefly. And then he also briefly mentioned uh, teacher raises, that he wants some teachers, um, the good teachers or the, you know, um, effective teachers to make uh, six figures. Well, tell, can you go back for a minute and tell us a little more about Treats Bill? Sure. So um, this is kind of what's known as like a backpack funding bill. It would basically be universal vouchers. So any student in the state um, could request one. And if as long as they did not attend public school, they could get the funding um, that the state would spend on them and they could use it on a variety of things like private school tuition, um, transportation to school, tutoring, uh, supplies, lots of things. And I'm sure that uh, anybody in education listening and hearing six-figure teacher salaries uh, got pretty excited. Is there any realistic chance of that? You know, I didn't see a lot of excitement, actually. I I saw a healthy dose of skepticism around that. I mean, our teachers right now, the average is like 56,000 per year. So 100,000 is is a long way from that. Um, And and there was no details on how that would be paid for. Trevor, uh, did the governor break any news in the speech? Yeah, one of the big uh, policy takeaways that I saw was uh, the governor endorsing uh, eliminating the state sales tax on groceries. Now, this is something that uh, Democrats have been calling for for a few years. Last year, there was some momentum with Republicans, some top Republicans saying they're open to that. Obviously, Republicans are all about tax cuts right now. Um, Democrats say this is a tax that 
unproportionately hurts um, lower income residents. So the governor signing on uh, to this proposal really, uh, you know, shows that this has some momentum. And I would be surprised if this does not pass this year. Really, and as you mentioned, right, always uh, about lowering taxes. Did he talk about any other any other uh, initiatives to lower taxes? Yeah, the governor uh, he announced what he called a taxpayer protection plan. Um, he says that would responsibly lower income taxes according to what the state revenues are. He didn't get into the really the specifics behind that, but you know he talked about modernizing the tax code. Talked about the income tax on military benefits, um, so I think there would be a, a big discussion. But you know, once you get into the weeds of some of these tax discussions, you could get hung up. And of course, the big question is how do you pay for these? Sure. Well, uh, one way is through other kinds of taxes. And Paul, you mentioned that he brought up uh, some problems the state's having with uh, the medical marijuana system that's been around for a couple of years now. What did he have to say about that? That's right. He said that um, that basically voters didn't really know exactly what they were voting on when state question 788 passed in uh, summer of 2018. Now, it, it passed by uh, 57% almost of the vote, and it was, had pretty broad support uh, across partisan lines as, as well. There was a little less support out in the rural areas, and that's where some of the issues are coming up now with some of these illicit grows in some of the counties out there. And so he wants to crack down on enforcement of that. How's that creating problems for lawmakers and, and law enforcement and others? And is it is it only the rural parts? And how are how are Oklahomans feeling about those problems? Well, by design, the, the state question kind of set up a very hands-off approach to medical marijuana. Uh, you know, there's very few um, requirements for patients to get a license. Uh, the business licenses were low barrier of entries for a lot of businesses. So immediately we saw... A lot of dispensaries in urban and rural areas pop up the first year or so. Um, some have gone out of business now, and we've also seen uh, thousands of growers who are also out in the rural areas uh, competing, you know, for electricity, for, you know, land with traditional agriculture, and that's caused a lot of problems in some of the rural areas and some backlash there. Got it. Jennifer, uh, coming back to education, what were some of the big takeaways? You mentioned, uh, you know, he teased kind of, much higher teacher salaries, uh, talked about a couple other things. What else did he address? He's, and I think it's fair to set the table that he's running against, uh, when the election comes up, uh, a, a former state superintendent of schools. So what he had to say about education was probably noteworthy. Yeah, so at the, uh, toward the end of the speech, uh, he did mention the audit of the State Department of Education. Um, it, was, it was kind of a brief mentioned, but he, um, you know, he, he kind of used the phrase that the, the lining the pockets of bureaucrats um, and, and wants to get to the bottom of that, um, you know, that brought up some questions for me about Epic over the years. Um, you know, honestly, that audit um, came out in 2020, and we haven't seen a lot of um, action being taken by the state or, um, you know, they've tried to get some money back um, and the State Department has been successful in some of that, but um, it definitely has been seen as kind of a dig at Joy Hoffmeister, who is running against him. So do you think, uh, was he making a specific reference to Epic when he was talking about bureaucrats lining their pockets, or was he talking about the, the, 
school system, traditional schools, the whole system in general? I think he was talking about the school system in general. Um, you know, I, I guess administrators. Um, I'm not really sure. It'd be interesting to see if there's any feedback from the school community about some of those comments. Yeah, I mean, Joy, you know, responded after the speech, not necessarily to the audit part, but she did have some pretty strong words about the voucher bill. What did What did she have to say? Um, you know, her her quote here is. Um, his voucher plan, uh, referring to Treatsville that Stitt supports, um, is a rural school killer and robs funds from the 90% of kids attending public school. And she accused Stitt of trying to dismantle public education. Uh, Paul, uh, Trevor, rather, what about the spending side of the budget? Did he talk about uh, talk about spending as well as lowering taxes? Yeah, he talked about it, but he didn't talk about it as much. Um, but what he's proposing is pretty much a flat budget, so that means the recurring revenues are about the same as what they are, you know, the current fiscal year. Um, I looked through his budget bill or his budget proposal that goes along with his uh, state of the state, and he's also uh, proposing about $280 million for one-time expenses. Um, you know, some of the things are $10 million for uh, – Mickert lawsuit fund, $10 million for other legal fees, and $35 million for business incentives. Um, but, you know, one thing also that he has made a big point is building up the state uh, revenues. It, the state's rainy day account and other associated accounts are about $1.8 billion right now. He's proposing to increase that to about $2.3 billion. Hey, Paul, you know, sometimes uh, governors uh, in their state of the state wander off of state topics into federal waters. Did Stitt say anything about federal issues? Uh, he did mention the Biden administration several times and kind of fighting back against, uh, you know, the perceived overreaches by that administration. Uh, he, he kind of went into some of the territories and setting it up as the state knows best how to handle some of these issues, and basically the federal government should butt out. Well, that's something we've heard for a long time in Oklahoma, right? That's, that's right. not a not a new idea. Right? Um, Paul, um, could you, going back to medical marijuana one more time, there was that proposal about seed to sale. Can you talk about that for just a second and still address that at all? That's right. That's actually came out of uh, the, the so-called unity bill in 2019, I believe. Um, and it's a system that's supposed to track every part of the production process from the seed to the end sale. I mean, it's pretty well, well designed and well described uh, system. Uh, unfortunately, that's been tied up in courts. Um, several growers and processors and um, industry people filed suit against that, claiming the state was forcing them to use a particular system that went out to bid for a vendor. So that would, some, would seem to solve some of the problems that have popped up in the last few years, but it's still on hold. And so maybe that's part of the reason why there's some of these issues with the black market and illicit grows is because we're still tracking stuff we don't exactly know where it came from. Got it. Uh, you know, Trevor, sometimes uh, what's not said in a speech is as telling as what is said. Was there anything notable that Stitt didn't talk about? Yeah, I think one of the, the big things, and a lot of people noted this immediately after, was that he did not talk about COVID or, you know, the, the thousands of Oklahomans that died um, in the past two years. You know, he referenced some lockdowns, but, you know, he really didn't mention state's response, you know, what we're doing going forward, or, you know, even offering condolences to the families or anything like that. Um, I saw on social media and otherwise in other areas that a lot of people were upset about that, um, arguing that he doesn't 
want to talk about it because our numbers are not as good as some of the other states. Uh, Jennifer, have you heard yet any feedback? Uh, you're well tapped into uh, lots of educators and parents, and any feedback from them on the speech so far? Have you heard any rumblings? I mean, there's a lot of pushback against the voucher bill. There's also some support for the voucher bill from, you know, think tanks. Um, OCPA put something out right away. Um, Jeb Bush, um, you know, commended STIP for supporting that right away. Um, they're both, you know, big charter school proponents and, um, you know, have been pushing some of these expansions of certain school choice programs. Um but, you know, on the, on the teacher pay and some of the other things, I think there's mostly questions. Um, there's a lot of questions about how any of these would get paid for. I mean, all of the education initiatives he mentioned cost money, you know, and the education budget that he's proposing is flat. So we, we need more information. Got it. Okay. Um, Trevor, let me ask you what the reception was to the governor's speech kind of uh, as Jennifer just described, how educators responded. Uh, what was the reaction at the Capitol and especially across the aisle from the Democrat side? Yeah, there weren't a lot of surprises there. Um, you know, Democrats were obviously not happy with the governor's speech. Um, I don't remember a state of the state where Democrats have been um, happy with what the Republican governor said. But um, minority leader Emily Virgin uh, said this was a campaign speech. Um, tribal leaders accused the governor of fear-mongering. Um, but on the other side, um, you know, legislative leaders put out statements of support. It seems like uh, the governor and some lawmakers are moving more in lockstep now than perhaps earlier in his administration. So he got the support from the people that needs to get bills passed. So that might be what matters in the end. Hey, uh, Paul, one, uh, one specific thing I was curious about that's been under a lot of Oklahomans skins was uh, the long lines to get a driver's license and the uh, never-ending delays with real ID. Did he address that at all? He did, and, and that was one thing that was definitely a huge frustration for Oklahomans uh, across the state at the end of 2020 and all the way through 2021. In fact, it got so bad last summer that the legislature appropriated some extra money um, to start up what they call mega centers to kind of deal with some of the, the extra demand for this and the backlog. Uh, so they had mega centers in Oklahoma City and Tulsa. Uh, they both ran through the end of the year. Um, that has helped a little bit, but I think what um, Governor Stitt in his speech said that, that that system needs to be better aligned. And so he's proposing taking parts of the tax commission that deal with vehicle registration and some tag agencies out of the DPS and putting them into one kind of service center for, you know, kind of a one-stop shop for vehicle registrations and IDs. Um, that's a plan. There was no, not much detail in his budget on that, but um, that's definitely something he's thinking about and, and talked about in his speech. Okay. I'm going to ask each of you uh, just to kind of give one closing thought about uh, both the governor's speech and what we might expect to see in this legislative session that's of note. I mean, we, there, there are some givens, right? We're going to see some crazy bills that don't go anywhere. We're going to see uh, some proposals to lower taxes. We're going to see uh, other proposals to increase spending. We, we know all that's coming, but if, if you could imagine sort of a, an overall arc for the session, uh, what's your forecast? What do you think we're going to see? And uh, Paul, let's start with you. Um, I think we're going to 
see a lot of education bills come out that are kind of, probably Jennifer can talk more to this, but you know, basically based on the idea of, of parent choice and student choice in schools, um, however they do that. That seems to be a winning issue for some Republicans, definitely in primaries. Um, and you know, on the, on the tax side, the, the grocery tax um, for the state side is probably one that will have some momentum, like Trevor said. The problem is still how you're going to pay for that. Uh, it's about 300 something million dollars a year you got to make up if you get rid of it. Now, um, Minority Leader Emily Virgin talked yesterday about she has a bill that's pending that would kind of phase that out over three years, so it would be a little bit each year. Um, so there's probably some discussion there back and forth that that could get dealt with this session, but it probably won't be all at once or all in one chunk. Well, Jennifer, what do you think? Do you agree with Paul? Is education going to be the hot topic for the session? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I've had several lawmakers tell me, you know, education is going to be the battleground. They are preparing for a very contentious session. I mean, Stitt's proposals are all pretty controversial. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a hot session, I think. All right. Any anything else you see coming besides the education debates? I'm pretty tapped into education, so you have to ask Trevor about that. Fair enough. Trevor, what do you see coming? <laughs> yeah, so, um, I, yeah, I think we'll see, you know, a good number of, you know, so-called red meat bills, some of these controversial measures um, involving abortion, you know, transgender um, policies, vaccine mandates. I think we'll see a lot of them try to be, uh, you know, lawmakers pushing them right away to see if what sticks, what doesn't stick. Um, you know, we have a March 3rd deadline to get bills out of committee. So, you know, they're going to be going pretty fast and furious with a lot of these bills. But, um, you know, like Jennifer and Paul said, education, tax cuts, these are going to be the meatier topics that are probably going to, you know, take a couple weeks for a debate. And, of course, we always see the budget at the very end of the, of the session. So, um, you know, everybody will be looking out for that as well. Great. Well, Trevor Brown, Jennifer Palmer, Paul Moneys. Thanks for your input, and uh, thanks for your time covering the governor's speech. You've been listening to Long Story Short, a weekly podcast that helps you get deeper into the investigative stories reported by Oklahoma Watch, which you can find on the web at oklahomawatch.org. This podcast was made possible by a grant from the Kirkpatrick Foundation, for which we're grateful. For Oklahoma Watch, I'm Ted Struley. Thanks for listening.